podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. As you can probably guess by my tone and the lack of a what's good, very little is good at the moment, folks. Uh, I thought today was going to be a really joyous day of me laughing about and laughing at Chelsea and celebrating Liverpool because at 1.30 last night, Liverpool agreed a £111 million fee with Brighton for Moises Caicedo, a player I was desperate for Liverpool to sign. And while I understand this isn't a Liverpool-only podcast, I'm sure you would have forgiven me, and most of you are Liverpool fans that listen, but I'm sure you would have forgiven me for a day of celebration. Um, But it seems now that this 
transfer has taken another twist with the players still having a preference for Chelsea. My guess is they've been on the phone to his agent this morning and offered him significantly more money than they were previously offering. Now, it remains to see what happens because Liverpool have an agreement with Brighton. Brighton set a deadline and, and told Caicedo, these are your options. You go to Liverpool or you stay with Brighton. Chelsea haven't offered enough. So we'll see what happens. As things stand, Liverpool still have an agreement in place with the club. They still have an outline of personal terms with the player that apparently the player and his agent are very happy with. And he was due to travel for a medical today. But Chelsea have clearly offered him more money. That's basically the be-all and end-all. And now it remains to be seen whether Tony Bloom sticks to his word. And what I know of Tony Bloom is that he is a man of his word. But when it comes down to something like this, he might well renege and he might well sell the player to Chelsea, which he doesn't want to do quite clearly. But, I mean, if Chelsea were to offer 115 and Liverpool said, oh, fair enough, then there's not a whole lot anybody can do about it. So just bear that in mind. And I'm going to have Guy join me after the break, and he's going to be miserable as well. So just just bear in mind that this is a sad podcast. And uh, if you choose not to listen anymore, well, I do understand. If you If you choose not to have this misery in your life today, I, I do understand. Um, we're going to go and have a look at the different bits of news. Uh, Josef Schmitty, the young sporting Lisbon striker, has signed a four-year contract with Everton, completing a f- uh, £15 million deal. Very, very talented young player, but I, I think he's got a lot of learning to do. Now, they're clearly getting him in as Calvert-Lewin insurance. And that's understandable given Calvert-Lewin's uh, injury problems the last two seasons, I suppose. Um, a bunch of transfers have been wrapped up in the last day. Alex Scott to Bournemouth is done. 25 million total package. I think that's a great deal for all clubs, or all parties. Love the move for the player, love it for Bournemouth, and Bristol get a great price for a homegrown player. Uh, Max Ahrens also going to Bournemouth, and again, I love this deal. I really do, and I love what Bournemouth have done this season. And if they are now looking at lining up with Neto and Gull, I'm not a huge fan, but he was good last season. Ahrens and Kirkes as the fullbacks, Zabarni and Sinisi or Lloyd Kelly as the central defenders. Scott in central midfield, Hamad Traore as the 10, Oatara one wing, maybe Tavernier the other, Solanke up front. I think they're a ball winner away from having a really good starting 11. So I really like what they've done. Uh, West Ham have unveiled Edson Alvarez. I can't remember if I talked about that yesterday. I do really like that deal. I think that's a very good deal for them. I think he's a player that will fit in well at that club and should give them should give them some real solidity in midfield. Now, don't like the deals they're about to do for Ward Prowse and Maguire, but that is what it is. Um, the Women's World Cup, obviously, is still ongoing. And we had the first two 
quarterfinals um, this morning. So Spain beat the Netherlands 2-1. A game that was goalless up until the 81st minute. Spain get a penalty, Spain score, Spain go ahead. The Netherlands equalise in stoppage time, goes to extra time, and Spain go on and win the game. And they will face Sweden in the semi-final. Sweden went 2-0 up. Japan came back, got a late goal, couldn't find a second. That's seen as a bit of an upset. Um, But Spain versus Sweden is our first semi-final in the Women's World Cup. And in the other semi-final, it will be either Australia or France versus England or Colombia. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's fun. The Women's World Cup has been fun. So, it's brought great attention to the women's game. It's brought a lot of new eyes. It, they're getting excellent uh, attendances. I don't know if the official attendances are out yet for those quarterfinals. Let me see. Yeah, so uh, Spain versus Netherlands at the Wellington Regional Stadium, which holds about 34,500, just over 32,000 in attendance. So, you know, a, a very good turnout. And then Japan versus the Swedes at, at Eden Park. Eden Park holds 50,000. And the attendance was over 43,000. So not bad. Not bad at all. Really impressed by how many people are going to these games. I assume that when Australia play France at Lang Park with 52,500 as the capacity, uh, that stadium will be pretty close to packed. And then England versus Colombia is the other one. That will take place at Stadium Australia. Capacity there, about 82,500. And again, I, I think we'll probably see... 50, 60,000 for that one. Now, the England games have been getting uh, really good attendances. There is obviously a huge uh, amount of English people who live in Australia. So like they've been getting 45,000 at Lang Park against Haiti, 40,000 um, at the Sydney Football Stadium, which holds about 42 and a half. Um, against Denmark, uh, against China, there was only thirteen and a half thousand people at the game, but the stadium only holds sixteen and a half, so limited numbers anyway. Um, their game against Nigeria, just under fifty thousand at Lang Park, so England are getting huge, huge crowds as well. Obviously, a lot of the uh, English expats who live in Australia turning up, and they've brought with them a, a large traveling fan base as well. Um, so it's a shame we couldn't get an England-Australia final just for the crowd, because I think that would sell the stadium out. But I'm fairly confident that regardless of who's in the final, it's going to be very close to a sellout at Stadium Australia. Uh, we'll do the gossip and we'll just be done with it. And then I'll bring in Guy and we can both be as miserable as each other. Just one last bit of news. Um, 
Harry Kane is to have his Bayern Munich medical today. There seemed to be a little bit of a stall over it, but it is now uh, it is now happening, and Kane will become a Bayern Munich player, barring uh, something unforeseen. Um, England striker Harry Kane has reached an agreement with Bayern to leave Tottenham. Thomas Tuchel made Kane his number one target. Chelsea had made Moises Caicedo a priority signing this summer, but Liverpool outbid the Blues for the midfielder. And speaking of Moises Caicedo, just got something in here. Uh, Dave O.C. Cop, who wouldn't be normally a source of news, but has been really on point this summer, uh, had the Henderson thing ahead of everybody and has known decent amounts on this Caicedo stuff. Uh, exclusive, Moises Caicedo will happily join Liverpool if they remain the highest bidder. He has given Chelsea preference out of respect as they negotiated longer. If Chelsea match bid, he will join Chelsea. If Liverpool remain highest bidder, he'll agree to Liverpool. So, what this says to me is that Liverpool need Tony Bloom to be a man of his word. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, Tottenham will consider a shock move for Romelu Lukaku. Don't believe that for a second. Kylian Mbappe has repeated to PSG his insistence that he will not leave the club this summer under any circumstances and intends to see out the final year of his contract, likely because Real Madrid are offering him $100 million as a signing bonus. That's likely what, what the logic behind that is. So he, he might just sit out. He might just sit out completely, which is ridiculous. Um... I, I my assumption is cooler heads would prevail and PSG would just play him, but it is what it is. If I was PSG, I'd run him into the ground. I'd play him every single minute of every single game. Chelsea have triggered a twenty million release clause in the contract of Tyler Adams. Chelsea are interested in Marco Verratti. Inter Milan are unwilling to meet Arsenal's valuation of Fowler and Balogun. Have pulled out of talks over the twenty for the twenty-two year old American striker. Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis has said Nigeria stri- striker Victor Othman will be staying with the Serie A champions this month. Everton have been told by Leeds that Wilfred Nanto is not for sale and have thus moved ahead with the deal for Shemetti. Uh, West Ham are waiting for a final decision from Harry Maguire. They should hope that he says no. Manchester City have been told they must pay a fee of 80 million. I've I've seen that they need to pay a fee of $95 million, uh, which I think is very high for Lucas Paqueta, but he's an excellent player. Real Madrid are looking to sign David De Gea, who's free after who's a free agent after leaving Manchester United. Looks like they'll sign David De Gea on a one-year deal with Thibaut Courtois injured. Uh, Manchester City are considering Jeremy Doku as a replacement for Riyad Mahrez. Super talented player. Very frustrating, though. Quite unlike a, a Guardiola winger. Burnley have agreed a 14 million deal to sign Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey from Aston Villa, who have added a buyback option, which is smart. But I'm still surprised that they've agreed to sell him. And finally, Bayern have made an offer to sign Kepa uh, in a deal that would see him move on loan with an option to buy. So there we go. That is today's gossip. Um, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, We'll be joined by the one and the only Mr. Guy Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So I'm joined by Mr. Guy Drinkle, who is just as miserable as I am. 
Um, we don't even want to do any other nonsense. We're just going to run through the eight, sorry, the ten Premier League games uh, which start tonight. The Premier League season kicks off in approximately six hours and thirty nine minutes, Mister Drinkle. Yeah, no, Steve Bruce, you can blame Chelsea for that. Um, anyway, games. Uh, Burnley against Man City, Dave. Um, if this was a few years ago, we'd just pencil in 4-0 and be done with it. But see any change in Burnley? Or is this just football heritage? Might just be a case of football heritage. Now, Burnley are a completely different team and a completely different club, basically, since City used to just pump them every single time they'd play. Obviously, Vincent Company there, he's a City legend, but... I'm sure he'd like to cause an upset. Their first game back in the Premier League, they were brilliant last year in the Championship. But I just don't see a situation in which they beat City tonight. Now, injury-wise, Michael Obafemi is the only one out for Burnley. Uh, Man City have a clean bill of health, so everybody is good to go. Um, I'm going to say City win this game 3-1. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's, it's a comfortable one. Um, we'll move on to Saturday. Then that uh, that game was on uh, Sky Sports tonight for people in the UK. This one is on TNT Sports, the new programme. Um, we have Arsenal against Forest, Dave. Uh, now, we saw at the back end of last season, obviously, when Arsenal were kind of imploding a wee bit. I, think for, I can't remember if it was at Forest or at Arsenal. Forest obviously beat Arsenal. Mm. Um, and Forest did seem to find a way of playing in the last third of the season um, so this is probably more interesting than it is on paper but obviously Arsenal need to start strong because well anything other than winning the league or at least being probably 90 plus points isn't really acceptable considering money spent No I think Arsenal need to win the league this year I think that's the pressure that they've put themselves under with the spending that they've undergone in the last three seasons um, and they should win this game I mean Arsenal go into it with some injuries, admittedly. No Gabriel Jesus, no Zinchenko. So there's two starters missing. Uh, Sambi Laconga, Reese Nelson, Fowler and Balogun and Jorginho um, are doubts for this game. But Nottingham Forest are Nottingham Forest. So, of course, they have a bunch of injuries as well. Uh, no Omar Richards, still. No Wayne Hennessy. Uh, no Felipe no Niakata and no Awaniye. Uh So both their starting centre-backs are out and they're the starting number nine and their best left-back. So um, you'd have to question what goes on at Nottingham Forest that so many players are always injured. Last season, they rarely had less than like eight players injured at any time. And to start this season, they already have five injured. So I'm going to say Arsenal win... I'll go three one again. Oh, yeah. This game's at Arsenal, isn't it? No, it's yes, at Arsenal. It yeah, it I'll go three nil. Yeah, yeah. With those injuries, I'm just not sure how Forest can set up. Really, I think it's their only left back as well who's injured. So, God knows what they'll do in defence. Uh, moving on to the three o'clock kickoffs. Then we have Bournemouth against West Ham, Dave. Um, obviously, Bournemouth have gone through massive changes, um, both in playing staff and obviously managerially. Whereas West Ham have obviously lost a, a, a very key player and potentially losing another one. It'd be interesting to see if Paqueta plays. Um, obviously brought in Alvarez. 
Uh, and I think Ward Prowse is having his medical today. I'm not sure if he'll actually make it in time, but who cares? He hasn't been registered yet by the sounds of things, so he won't be ready right, okay. to play. But um, kind of uh, opposite to you, a lot of change and then not enough change. Yeah, I I really like... I really like what Bournemouth have done this summer. I, I love the appointment of Irola. Love the signings of Alex Scott. Now he's injured and won't be won't be ready to play tomorrow. But Max Aaron's and Kirkes is their new fullbacks. We should see Zarbani get a lot of minutes this season at centre back. I think he's going to be great for them. Um, Hamid Traore, I'm excited to see. Oh, Atara, I'm excited to see more of. So I, I think they're going to be a fun team. West Ham have had a fairly disastrous summer. Um, the Alvarez signing is a good one, but the other business they're doing is dreadful. They've lost Rice. Like you said, they might well be losing Paqueta. Um, I, I would be quite surprised if he played tomorrow. Mm. But, you know, you never know. He might. Um, but at Bournemouth, I'm going to go and say a 2-0 Bournemouth win. Yeah, I think Bournemouth going into the season is one of the ones I'm looking forward to seeing, just what they are, really. But uh, we'll see when they're actually on telly. Um, again, a game that's probably defined by transfer business and all that crack. Brighton, I, I imagine Kai Seda won't play, even if he is a Brighton player still, but who knows. Um, so that'll leave them a gap in midfield. But this is Brighton. They'll probably just roll with James Milner or Lalana there, and he'll look amazing for some reason. Um and it'll be interesting to see their new players, whereas Luton, I, I won't lie, I know nothing of their players apart from the left-back who was at Borough for a year. So, yeah, this will be interesting from that point of view, but a strange fixture with the transfer nonsense, Dave. Yeah, a lot going on at Brighton at the moment, obviously, with the Caicedo stuff. Um, him and, and Jakob Motor doesn't seem to be ready to play yet, so they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit light in midfield, but they did bring in Mo De Hood and They've got Pascal Grouse and a bunch of other players, and they'll be confident of this one. At home to newly promoted Luton, they'll be confident of winning this game. Luton, no Reese Burke, no Gabriel Osho, no Dan Potts, no Jordan Clark, uh, but Mads Anderson should be okay to play. I think it's going to be a tough season for Luton, and they're starting off against one of the best teams in the league, uh, certainly the team that plays the, the best football in the league. This, for me, is the pick of the three o'clock kickoffs uh, and the one I'll be watching. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping for a good game, but I, I expect Brighton to win quite comfortably. So I'll go and say 3 nil to Brighton. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. wouldn't surprise me. But hopefully we can show up um, at some point. Um, moving up... Oh God, this could be an ugly game. <laughs> Everton against Fulham. Um Fulham's a strange one. They've obviously had their manager almost tempted to Saudi Arabia, their star striker, saying he'll never play for the club again, and he's still here. William got tempted and tried to get tempted to Saudi. So God knows who's going to be playing for Fulham, and probably more importantly, Jao Pelini's not fit. So who knows what will happen in midfield there. Whereas Everton is basically the same team barring injury and Yerry Mina not being there. And yeah. Dan Juma is, is kind of the big one, and they brought in Ashley Young as well, but, I mean, because. he's not going to play. Uh, so Everton, injury-wise, no Deli Ali, no Dwight McNeil, which is a big blow. 
uh, no Seamus Coleman, but Tarkovsky and Danjuma are fit and Dominic Calvert-Lewin should be good to start. So that should be good. Um, I, I'm really curious to see what happens with Fulham because is Mitrovic going to play? Because he's been trying to force this move to Saudi for a month now. Mm-hmm. I know he wasn't gone. playing. In, he wasn't playing in preseason that much. No, he wasn't, and he, said, he apparently told everybody he wasn't going to play for the club again. So, be interested to see what happens tomorrow. They don't have Paulinho, which is a huge blow. Andreas Pereira is a doubt, and Tom Kearney looks unlikely to be fit as well. At home, I think this will be an ugly game for Everton. I know Marco Silva would love to go there and beat his former club, given how he was treated on the way out. I'm go- I'm going to give Everton the advantage, though, and I'm going to say 1-0 to Everton. Yeah, I think as long as Calvert-Lewin's fit and available, they've, mm. they've got enough firepower there. It'd be interesting to see if Dan Juma can do it as well. Um Last three o'clock kickoff, then we have Sheffield United and Crystal Palace. I mean, we mentioned Luton may struggle in the Premier League, Dave. At least they've built on what they had in the Championship, whereas Sheffield United, I'm assuming it's ownership problems, but that's just a sad state of affairs at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird thing where they've basically um, they've sold two of the three best players in... And Edelman and Giant and Sander Burge, but they've signed a couple of good players. I mean, Slaman looks a very talented player. Benny Traore looks really good. Uh, Vinicius Souza is is very promising, and it looks like they're in to try and sign Gustavo Hammer from Coventry. Now he won't be ready mm-hmm. for this one, but he has agreed fifteen million. Um, he's a good player. I think he'll add something to them. But for this one, they won't have them, and I have serious concerns about them going into this game. Now they're at home, so that's a big, a big plus. But I think you're right. I think it is something to do with ownership and a, an unwillingness to spend money. Because when you look at the squad, outside of the the four lads they've signed this summer, you've only got Jack Robinson, who was a free agent who signed a two year contract to stay with them this summer, and Ahmed Hodzic. Everybody else is at a contract next summer, bar Rian Brewster, who's been a flop there. So, you know, it's not an ideal situation for them. Um, certainly, this is going to be a tough task up against a, a pretty good Crystal Palace team. Now, Palace themselves, obviously, they lost Wilf Zaha, which is a huge blow. They've no Michael Elise for this game. They also have a doubt over Tyreek Mitchell and Will Hughes. And Matthias Frank, the Brazilian, isn't going to be ready to play. So, you know, they're a little light in terms mm-hmm. of numbers, but I still think Palace will go there and get something. But I'm going to say a draw. Just at home in front of your own fans, first day in the Premier League, you can get a bit of a boost. Remember Bournemouth last season beating Villa? Mm. Um, so I think, I think I'll go the, the draw. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, it feels like neither team has massive firepower, but who knows? Maybe Mateta and Edouard. <laughs> In a 4-4-2, the Roy Hodgson way will click, but who knows? Um, this game, probably the well, maybe Chelsea, Liverpool, but that's a depressing fixture at the minute. Newcastle Villa um, should be the funnest of the weekend. Um, both teams obviously got European success in different competitions. Um <sighs> I think Villa have probably had one of the be- best summers of the summer so far, whereas Newcastle 
a lot depends on Tanali not wanting to hang himself <laughs> by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, Tanali, I've never seen. I've never seen a player look as miserable, but that might just be him. Maybe he is just not yes, a very cheerful chap. Um, both of these teams have had good transfer windows. They've added good players, but there's some concern with Villa at the moment because no Jacob Ramsey, no Bertrand Traore, no Den Donker, no Jean Duran, no Alex Moreno, no uh, Ira Bunham. And obviously we got the news the other day that Emi Buendia had torn his ACL. So, Villa starting the season without a number of key players. Mm. Um, for the tune, no Joe Willock, but Fabian Scherr should be okay. Kraft and Mankio are out, but they wouldn't be playing regardless. So Toon do have an advantage there. Toon are at home. Toon are generally quite good at home. I'm going to say 2-1 to Newcastle to get them started this season. Now I'm going to roll with Unai Emery being a changed man. He only wins away from home now. Um on to Sunday then, uh, games on Sky Sports as usual. Brentford against Spurs, Dave. Um, again, Spurs, the, the Harry Kane news. Now, you, you'll know the Ange system more than me, but from what I well watched on YouTube and stuff, it seems like the striker was more just a goal threat more than being involved in the um, build-up play in, in an Ange system. So maybe losing Harry Kane is obviously bloody massive, but... Mm it's probably easier to plug and play someone like a Richarlison than it was under a Conte or Mourinho where he literally had to drop back and do a bit of everything. Yeah, without question. Uh, Ange's system is more fluid and wouldn't have been as reliant on Kane, but I actually think would have gotten more out of Kane than any Mm -hmm. manager has previously, which, given the goal record, is is fairly staggering. But looks like he's away. Uh, Spurs will also be without Sessegnon, Hill, Bentoncourt, Endombele, Forster and uh, Malik, Alfie Malik Whiteman. So a lot of players missing, but of those, only, only Benton, Kerr and Kane would, would have started. Um, but let's not forget, Brighton have no Ivan Tony. Right. He's suspended until January. So both sides missing strikers here. Mm-hmm. And Spurs have more goal threats in their squad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bomo and Yeka and Norgard should all be good to go. It's away from home, so it's tough for Spurs. So I'll go a 2-2 draw. I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games, though, but I'm really excited to see how Ange Ball looks in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching Spurs. I mean, even if you just look at the forward line, even without Kane, I'm not, I don't think either of us are fans of Richarlison, but Madison with Kulisevsky to the right, Son to the left, and Richarlison or a new striker, hopefully. Um, that's a very good attacking unit. I mean, if it was Kane there, you'd say it's easily top three in terms of attacking output, but we'll see who they go with. Um, but it should be fun regardless. Um, whereas Brentford, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see if Nathan Collins and that settles in. But yeah, I think there'll be goals in that game. Um, on to the late kickoff, or later kickoff on, on Sunday then, Dave. We've got Chelsea against Liverpool. Kai Serdo, Don't even want to talk about this game. Yeah. Two one to Liverpool, let's move on. Yeah, Monday then. Um, are Wolves the most depressing team of the men? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but good news for Wolves is they have no injuries at the moment. So Gary O'Neill does get a full squad of players. And maybe he gets the new manager bump. And United are missing seven 
seven players. Tom Heaton and Dean Henderson both injured. So I'm not sure who's actually going to sit on the bench for them as a backup goalkeeper. No Martial, no Malasia, no Hoysland, who's looking like he might miss potentially a couple of months. Mm. Uh, no Ahmed Traore and no uh, Kobe Manu. Manu. Um, so, you know, a number of issues there. But United are at home. They've obviously gone and spent huge money this summer again. I don't necessarily like what they've done in the market this window. I think they've Mm -hmm. overpaid hugely for a goalkeeper and hugely for Mason Mount, who they're going to use out of position. Um, I I really want to see Gary O'Neill just go route one, just stick Sasa up on top of Martinez (laughs) and just pump every long ball to him and say to Neto and Nunes in the wide areas, every time that ball goes long, get into the box. Don't do anything else. Just crash the penalty box. Matthias Cunha, every time you see Sasa win that ball, you're running off the back of of Varane. And we're going to get goals this way. And I genuinely think they could. I think they could expose United if they did that. But I don't know if they will. Um, I don't even know if Sasa's going to be starting. He should start. It should be him and Cunha up front. Neto one side, Nunes the other. Lamina and Traore in a double pivot in midfield. A solid defensive base with those two midfielders, a solid defensive back four, and just pump everything long and just chase and chase and chase and chase. That's what I would do, but I don't expect that they will do it. I'm going to say Manchester United win this game 3-1. 3-1, sorry. And that's the last game. And that's the last game, and that's the end of this podcast. I know it's short, but folks, I'm I'm that fried. My head is all over the place. I don't know what's going on with Caicedo. Um, It seems like his agent is the one that's causing the issues. But it seems like if Chelsea can't agree a fee with Brighton in the next little while, he will make the move to Liverpool. That seems to be the prevailing wisdom. So it's it's just down to Tony Bloom. Tony, I know you listen. I actually don't know if he listens, but he should listen. He should listen. Be a man of your word. Be a man of your word. Liverpool have treated your club with respect at every turn. We allowed you to negotiate early with Milner. We went directly to you for Alexis. We went directly to you for Caicedo. We didn't advise players to go on strike. We didn't try to do workarounds. We haven't gone and pinched your staff without approaching the club first. We've shown you all the respect. They have shown you absolutely none. Now, you need to reciprocate. That'll do, folks. Thank you, as always. Thanks to Guy. And uh, hopefully we'll see you Monday. If not, um, this has been the Two-Footed Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And we'll never hear from us again. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.